Hey guys, welcome back to the Stupid Idiot Fucker Bastard Podcast. Uh, it's Diana. Today, we are going to be talking about my favorite topic, my favorite person, my favorite thing to talk about, which is James A. Caster and his sequential comedy specials. <laughs> On to talk about James A. Caster with me is Trevor Tress. Trevor Tress is a stand-up comedian friend of mine from Lansing. And he appreciates James A. Caster and all uh, the facets that I do. And so <laughs> this whole episode will be discussing and dissecting what makes him different from other comedians, what makes him, in our eyes, revolutionary in some ways. Um, and it was just a lot of fun to talk about this. I could talk about this for probably three more hours. If anybody wants to be on the podcast, um, just message me and say that you'll talk about James Acaster with me for an hour and, uh, you'll get on. All right. Enjoy. Today we are here to talk about the man of every single hour, James Acaster. Uh, is he, I think he's 36. I think he turns 36 this year on, uh, I believe it was January 9th. Don't quote me on that. Uh, uh, but so James A. Caster is a British comedian. He is originally from Kettering. <laughs> Kettering. <laughs> he is best known for his four-part special on Netflix, and that's that's worldwide. But he also is very well known for his appearances on Mock the Week um, and other panel shows in the UK. What's his other one? Like Mock the Week. Oh, and Would I Lie to You? Um, so we're gonna talk about just him overall, and then each part of his four-part special and the two halves of his newest special that came out last December called Cold Lasagna, Hate Myself, 1999. 1999, what a year. Am I right? The year I was born. That's the year you were born. Yes. What is it? And I guess we'll probably get into it. I shouldn't spoil it. (laughs) um, What is the significance of 1999 in the special? Because I think that's already slipped my brain. Well, no, you're not wrong. He actually, he named the special way before he developed the special, and he ends up okay. not talking about 1999 anymore. <laughs> Interesting. Perfect. I he, mean, like, he briefly mentioned it, mentions it, but it's, like, not as big of a part of it. Okay. Interesting. Uh, so that, it's, it's you would really think more so title. an homage to your birthday, then. I, I like to think so. Okay. Um, But, yeah, so we were talking about how, you know, you show different people James, and they usually are either really into him or really not into him. And my theory as to why that is, is, well, of course, like, there's slight differences between British comedy and American comedy and Australian comedy and kind of things like that. But to me, what I think sets James apart is that when when you're watching James, he kind of takes you on a journey. A lot of his bits start where you have no fucking clue what's going on. Sure. And it's you a have whole to just... World get on board with the fact that you're not in control and you don't know where he's going with this and you have to like be along for the ride. And I think there's a lot of people that are like sitting there, you know, arms crossed, like what's going on? (laughs) Like, and we'll just enjoy. This isn't like, you know, because the the premises are almost like different worlds where like, there's Mm. all these different like social norms and stuff. Like (laughs) insane things are normal, normal things are insane. (laughs) You know, which is obviously, I guess, kind of the root of the premises usually, but mm. um, just the amount of like dedication to that. I don't want to say world building, but it's all well, it's like it's definitely character building. I mean, 
yeah so we have in his first four four part special um called repertoire um we have him taking on a new role every single they they kind of all flow together of course but he's he's an undercover cop and then the next time he's on the jury the next time he's talking about like going into witness protection and then the next one, he's in witness protection as a lollipopping man. Right, exactly. <laughs> so it's like he, he creates these entire narratives for each special and follows through with them. And, and in doing so, what, one of my favorite things about what he does is he weaves all these jokes that could easily be standalone jokes. Like more of like a Dimitri Martin style, like one line or little bits about little observational things, whatever, wordplay. But instead, he weaves them all together in one narrative, which like you don't see very often in something that is a completely made up narrative. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Well, and the cool thing about it for me, I think, is that like while you're also getting all those like intertwined narratives, like you're also getting all the different perspectives. Right. I mean, like, mm. you know, he's like the guy who's in witness protection. He's the cop. He's the, you know, the guy who wants to go to witness protection. He's on the jury, <laughs> like all these different like perspectives on it like come with like different jokes i feel like like different attitudes and it's just so yeah so, so cool God. to be able to I, i'm gonna say that so many times because he's just that good <laughs> comedy he's that good and well and then like my other favorite thing is how each special has like a color mm-hmm. so like yeah. recognize represent reset it's uh green red yellow and then recap where he does kind of like bring it full circle the backdrop is three colors and he's wearing all three colors. Right. Just, just, just adorable. It's just really good. <laughs> it's, it's so, so good. And like everything is like, even that's like a little joke, mm-hmm. you know, mm. and it's such a subtle thing and it's never referenced at all, but it's like, a, just another thing to pay attention to part of like the scenery, I guess. Like it's a, it's a whole, you know, ensemble of stuff, you know, it's not just stand up. It's like the little, um, you know, how the, uh, like the end of the last one is the beginning of the first one. Like yes. The whole thing is just like one, you know, production. Yeah. Which I that... think is so, so cool. Big loop. Uh, I do want to say for everybody listening, I did dress up as James Acaster, um, his his outfit for recap as Halloween a couple years ago. Um, wow. And then I took a picture of it and then I found his Snapchat. And I messaged him and asked him if he wanted to see my costume where I went as him for Halloween. And he said, sure. And amazing. <laughs> and I sent it to him and he said, this is so cool. Like spot on. May I please <laughs> save this picture? And I said, yeah, of course. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. And then he posted it on his story. Oh my lord. That's so funny that he asked though, just because it's like, yeah, it makes total sense. Yeah. You absolutely gotta ask on something like that. But like I would never think to ever in my life like receive a picture of someone dressed as me. And be like, hey, is it okay if I say this? And after that happened, well, of course I freaked the fuck out because I did it like at night and because of the time difference, he responded to me in the morning. And so I woke up to to a notification on my phone that said Snapchat from James Acaster. That's and so I was like, funny. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my lord! The ultimate joke. Literally, and I was just like, Oh my god! And so then after that, I just kept making the joke. I was like, 
Well, I don't think it's weird that I have pictures of James saved on my phone because he has a picture of me saved on his phone. <laughs> right, and it's the same thing. And it's the same thing. <laughs> exactly. So, I, yeah, I wouldn't worry about it at all. Why would you? Oh, I think That's a, really funny. a fun side note with, with just how much I love James, but um, how it also bleeds into my relationship. Um, I, when I, I watched Cold Design, I Hate Myself 1999, I watched the live stream, uh, the UK li- live stream that happened at like 2 p.m. our time. Uh, and then I watched it again on the U.S. So I got to watch it twice in one day. It was fantastic. The first time I watched it was with my boyfriend. And there was a moment where we were like, mm, I don't know, maybe like 20 minutes in, you know, and I'm just eating it up. This is heaven. And Joe turns to me and he goes, you would leave me for James, right? <laughs> I mean, and yeah. Exactly. And I was like, I don't, I mean, I don't. You know, like, I don't think he wouldn't leave me for James. You know what I mean? I think we're on the same page in that way. Right. I think I think it's really cool that James is a drummer and Joe is also a drummer. But it also worries me that if we were ever to meet James, James would like him more. Oh, that would be the ultimate. <laughs> it, like, yeah, like it starts off as like his worry. But in the end, <laughs> it should have been your worry all along. He's that good at comedy. The ultimate bit, he ruined <laughs> your relationship. <laughs> Just for sport. <laughs> just, just to talk shop. Just He's to like talk Mr. about drums. Foreshadowing. <laughs> I had, I had Joe listen to. You can pull up like James's albums of just like his bands and like um he made an album, uh, uh like years after he'd been in bands, they made an album for charity kind of thing. And I had Joe listen to, uh, his album. And after he listened to it, I was like, "So is he a good drummer? I need you to." <laughs> I need you to let me know because I need him to be good at everything. And Joe's like, yeah, yeah, he's a good drummer. Um, but that was before we were even dating. So I don't know if he was lying to me. It could be. I didn't even know he was a drummer, to be honest with you. I don't think I'm that ingrained in the lore. I should oh know Oh, my more. God. I knew that if he you... did music, though. Yeah, yeah. If you watch, um, he they talk about it a little bit more on, like, different... Well, they bring it up in interviews and stuff because they're always bringing up how he's in all those bands. And he was always the drummer in those bands sure okay yeah yeah i'm i definitely have watched every everything that he's ever been in it'd be nice <laughs> to be that talented in two different things like you do all this stuff with all these bands and you're like i'm a music guy and you're like oh i'm also just the best comedian to ever do comedy <laughs> i'm also casually i think maybe maybe it's that that uh well-roundedness it's that perspective that doesn't get him um swallowed by what stand-up comedy is and like keeps his perspective fresh it could be because it is it's just so easy to because what he does is just so unique so you know that it took like a lot of like chiseling and you know like that would just not work in so many rooms oh you know and he just kept doing it anyway (laughs) yeah um which is the best thing for me that i'm like yeah he knew it was good he had to and obviously it's probably took a while to get good but I mean, what, 10, 12 years? That's not that much. <laughs> oh, on, I think it was on Reset. Um, he, that, the scene where he, he takes apart everything that's on stage. Yeah, yep. Yeah, the, the, uh, the dentist bit. Yes. Okay, wait. That, that wasn't, re- I was picturing a red thing and I thought it was Reset, but yeah, that's Represent. Um, he's taken apart everything on stage and he's like, putting putting the mic stand like taking the mic stand into three parts he sets the mic down he's like shouting um 
that whole bit, I like listened to some sort of podcast interview with him, and he mentioned that that was one of the first bits he had ever done. Really? Like when he first started up. doing stand up. That's so funny. And it's it one was of my favorite bits ever made. <laughs> it was just it was one of those things where like you know when you're first starting out and you like can't get comfortable on stage. Yeah. Just Apparently magic, that's yeah. that's just what he was doing. Like he he would be uncomfortable on stage and trying to like make a bit out of it. So he was just like moving everything around. Apparently this like little pub that he was performing in had a couch on stage and he would move the couch around. <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah. Oh god, I love him so much. <laughs> I I watch him and it just reminds me how not good I am. <laughs> Which isn't what you're supposed to do but like when no. you, you just see something's done that well you're like oh <laughs> not even close <laughs> you're like it's been done actually i think comedy we have enough comedy i think we do have i think we have enough comedy as well and that was what yeah. makes it so damn hard to do <laughs> it's because i'm like what am i doing I'm, like, I'm learning how to do it and i'm competent but like what am i actually doing <laughs> and it's most of the time nothing <laughs> yeah like you're saying nothing. <laughs> uh. Okay, I think I think my favorite, I, I almost obviously, but um, my favorite bit from Recognize, I think I would have to say is like the Predamanje and the kneeling. Really? Yeah, just just from from the first from the first special from Recognize, I I think it's the kneeling one Be- because I fucking love that he calls back to it when he's on the ground in a different special and clicks his watch yeah so the kneeling thing is great i just am not into the the predamanje thing is okay Mm. um but the end of that first one i really really like when it just becomes like uh, (laughs) just talking about the marriage like straight up and you're like ooh, uh (laughs) uh-oh like that for me is when it was like you know when it all kind of comes unraveled i think that was my favorite part of it yeah, I think, well, and he does that in multiple sections of repertoire. The end is him having a breakdown. <laughs> right. Like, speaking to the audience under the guise of the character that he created for that 40 minutes. But, you know, it being coming increasingly obvious that he's he was going through actual problems. Right. But it's never in, like, a preachy or a sad way everything about it is very like constructed and like Mm -hmm. you know it it just never feels like we have to feel bad for him you know because he's always just in character enough oh yeah and i and i definitely feel like that was even made a stronger point in cold design i hate myself 1999 because he like says straight up to the audience he's like i want you to know if i'm telling you this that means i'm over it like i'm good with it he's like if i was going through something you guys are the last people I would go to. <laughs> sure, absolutely. Well, He's like, why would you? I've already the worst. I've already, I've already worked this, especially in the UK. Like they're really bad with heckling. They don't like respect. Like he, he's t- like he's talked about it before. Where he's like, you go to America and it's an art form to them. In ah. the UK, in the UK, they're actively trying to ruin the show they paid to see. <laughs> right. Ugh. Yeah, well, and that's open mics too. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, a lot of people do look at it as an, an art form, I guess. And like when he does it, yeah, but most <laughs> when he does it, for sure. Most stand up, I don't think is art. Yeah, no, I, I'll agree with that. 
and it's pessimistic. It's not very uh, uh, cheery, but like, it's like you just watch someone who's that good at it, and then you just see someone like talking about their wife who they hate, and you're like, how is this considered the same thing? Literally, I I did a show at a baby shower, and one of the comics on the lineup. Even that show, that opening statement is okay. already. I'm I'm sold Listen. on everything about this. Well, it was for a comedian's birth. <laughs> or wait, a comedian was born. A comedian, a comedian was giving birth, or gate. Yeah, was about to give birth. When do okay. baby showers happen? Before the baby or after the baby? I think ideally before the baby. Okay, so before the baby was born, but they were giving birth, and um, so we, I guess, surprised them. I really, it was a strange day, um, but I was on the lineup, and I was like, "Oh, these kids are these these kids are so cute!" Like, because there were kids there. <laughs> these are kids. <laughs> I was like, "These kids are cute, so cute." And the other person, one of the other people on the lineup, was like. No, I hate my kids. Kids are horrible. And I was like, I am 19 years old, and I think I'm allowed to think kids are cute right now. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm sorry that? you hate yours, but oh, does not Lord. see like a, my kind of problem. I want to have kids kind of just to do material about them. <laughs> I think that's what Dan Turco did. <laughs> did he? <laughs> I mean, they have a baby. That's committing to a bit. <laughs> Talk about committing. <laughs> I, well, because then I have to do those jokes for 18 years, and that's a whole other... That is hard, yeah. I quit comedy before 18 years, and I just have kids. <laughs> and then you have them, and that's that's where I draw the line. Outcome. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's with him, with James Acaster, <laughs> him is just like the... We don't even have to reference him. Um, it's like God, the H is capitalized. Yeah, exactly. With him. him. Uh, it's Everything is just so clever or thought out. And obviously a lot of that is just, you know, it's, it's probably just taken like a long, 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 long time and just show after show after show. But even still, just to think about the differences and just like how precise and incredible it is. Oh yeah. They're just like ah, seven minutes set thrown together at a bar. Oh my god. <laughs> the the like the level of like down to every inflection and like timing and stuff that he'll do is very reminiscent of like Bo Burnham mm-hmm. with soundtracks and and kind of lights and stuff like that. Like it gives you the sort of vibes. Even though I I know that like some of his bits, you know, are more of I have an idea I'm going to talk about more than it is like down to the word. But there are like very particular things that he does that that reminds me of the same sort of like meticulous style of Bo Burnham. Oh, absolutely. And I would also say like he also like Bo Burnham was big on this and like James A. Caster is big on is like breaking down stand up itself. Like the performance mm. is a joke. Yeah. You know, like not only is he telling us jokes, but like the whole thing is like a facade. And like that's always something that's like kind of refreshing because it's like, oh, like a little glitch in the matrix. Yeah. You know? um, yeah. I love it so much. Yeah, like, don't take yourself too seriously. I also, I think it's important to note that, so repertoire is about, like, four or five years of material that James had been doing, um, what's that festival called? Oh, no. The one in Edinburgh or whatever? Edinburgh, yeah. Yeah. Um, So he had been doing, like, these shows individually, and he won. (laughs) Five years in a row, he got nominated for Best Show. 
and and lost. <laughs> no one's ever been nominated that many times. That's crazy. And he lost every time. And he huh? lost. Um, so like that's insane. And then so when he recorded it, he recorded it at Edinburgh, I'm pretty sure. And he um he recorded all of these so this is 40 is oh 50 minute specials and so that totals up to be three hours and 20 minutes of material that he recorded in one week jeez like that he was he was memorized with three hours and 20 minutes of material which is insane with his yes with with, you know five years of like some of these bits are all he did of course he went on like a tour beforehand you know to to get all to work on all of this and put all of this together, but for it to come down to one week of doing, you know, like two shows a night type of deal. Exactly. Fucking Ugh. insane. Well, and it's yeah, like I think about doing something like that. I'm like, I'm already tired. <laughs> and to just night after night be doing hours and hours and hours. It's like holy cow. I yeah. Bro. I and then because he did it, I think he did it in the one week at the festival in hopes that the same people would come each night because they all flow together. Like, that was one of my first questions and I, I watched it um, for the first time. Uh, he would call back to stuff and I was like, well, how, how do these people know what he's talking about? <laughs> like, how did they coordinate that? Right. Well, because in I, it, it's not the same crowd every night, right? Not, not exactly, but I do think there was overlap. Okay. Well, the, yeah, there would have to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, yeah. like I said, he'd done these shows individually at the festival before. Okay. So there's a possibility that even if the person didn't see Recognize and then they went to Reset, they might have been familiar with it if they're, you know, big fans. Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah. Still um, just absolutely amazing. And yeah. Put out all at one time. I don't know how much he got paid for it, but it probably wasn't enough. Um, it it couldn't be enough. It's priceless. Well, and then he switched to Vimeo, which I ugh, I didn't like that at all. I, I you know, I and I really, Vimeo. I really wondered about that. I I guess I mean not being able to tour. Maybe this is the way that he could get the most money for him. It could be. And and yeah, be able maybe to Vimeo has like better royalties or something like yeah because i mean you have to everybody has to buy it themselves instead of like it being part of a subscription to something else so there's no doubt he's getting more money sure well good for him he he deserves that he he really does oh i also would like to say that i after watching it for the first time i noticed there weren't subtitles and so i emailed his agent who thanked me for bringing it up and I checked today, and there are subtitles. Oh, boy. I didn't so, know. Yeah, on Netflix, there wasn't subtitles? Or on, a, no, on Vimeo. The new yeah. Oh, new okay. I, yeah, I was going to say, I didn't think, because uh, I usually throw them on just to try and get the jokes better. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I figured I just, Vimeo didn't have them or something. Yeah, I like, I even looked into it, and I put in the email, I was like, I've looked into it and I saw that you can, you don't have to re-release it or release a separate one. Like you can just add subtitles after you've already released it. It's just like an option. You go in there and edit kind of thing. I was like, so you could just add that at any time. And I think it'd be really cool if you did. (laughs) Wow. That's great. Yeah. It was super sweet. Her response was really nice. Um, 
And as Cold Design Hate Myself 1999 revealed, she's also Rowan Adkinson's agent. So, you know, she's busy. Is she she's still his agent then? Uh, you know, he mentions it in the in the end of the special. So I don't know. Because that info's you know, a year old now or so. Okay. That but. makes sense. Yeah, I, I, it's interesting to just get all the juice in that one. It's very, I think I would, had even told you, it felt very, like, self-indulgent. I'm like, ooh, the tea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't even need material. Just give me that sweet, sweet gossip. <laughs> yeah, like, let's lay it down. Lay it down, James. It was great. It was, no. a, it was a fun little switch up. It, like, it, I don't think it was the same comedy masterpiece as the first ones, mm-hmm. um, but it was a lot of fun, and I'm so glad it came out. Uh, I really it was, think he, it was... Sorry. No, go ahead. I really think it was something like he just like had to do. He had to get it out to like move on to the next thing. It could it, be. It felt yeah. like two hours of, like, I have a lot to say to like feel comfortable to start you know talking about something else he because he his whole like repertoire was him kind of you know obviously he talked about things but he was beating around the bush and kind of hiding behind each facade that he had and this one he was kind of like i I gotta be honest (laughs) yeah but even still it wasn't honest because he was doing like a character (laughs) no and i mean i think that's why it's so funny yeah i think there's definitely like parts where he is like completely and utterly just like talking directly at you oh definitely but like yeah even when he was he was talking about his agent and he was like (laughs) obviously i did this on purpose i wrecked my own career on purpose like but like that's so much less of a facade than saying he's an undercover cop oh absolutely you know like it's still way more honest and it's funny that that's his version of honesty oh exactly yeah it's 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 still the same but it's like you're almost getting like a more just like a chit chatty um it, it it really did just feel like a gossip session and i was all about it i was like <laughs> it was cool to like see the facade broken a little bit and just hear the the juicy juicy details um, yeah and like obviously he's still hilarious so it's like just hearing him in that tone and cadence like he doesn't even have to be funny oh and i mean for me like Okay, so I, we, I think we should we should pop over to Cold Design I Hate Myself right now because we're kind of there already. I'm going to say the bisexual lighting. Oh, the, the pink blue. <laughs> yeah. Incredible. The fit. Incredible. It's a good fit. It's icy. Yeah. Sunglasses because he's cool now. Cool James. Um, and then just literally straight out the gate. <laughs> he's like, don't make fun of trans people. And I was like... You're my favorite comedian. I didn't even have to ask you to do that, and you still did that for me. <laughs> right, right. Well, it's you just look at like the people who profit off of it, and it's like pretty disgusting. Mm-hmm. So you know, out of the gate to like do that, I think it's cool because it's like very in your face, but in the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in your face comedy is just so annoying. <laughs> it's too challenging for you. Yeah, because you guess you guess you really needs a challenge right now. The trans community. <laughs> Yeah. I don't think they've had it too easy for too long. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just so 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 good, and I, I it it is nice to also like hear his thoughts of like other comedians because like at first you're only getting to hear like the opinions of like an undercover cop or like <laughs> you know this like person, but now it's like okay, he's actually like talking like a comedian and like validating the things that I think about mm. this silly little thing that I do. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and that feels nice, you know. That's like no, a definitely. Nice little, oh, it's like you get it too. <laughs> um, yeah. Ugh, yeah. We're not so different, you and I. No, and I. But it's terrifying that it doesn't get any better. <laughs> Just the higher you go, it's just less of them. One of my favorite lines from that one is, uh, well, I do, like, I do honestly think that that, not, not only was it for him, but, like, the more you relate to them, to him, the more it feels like it was for you. Like, sure. he talks, when, when he was like, uh, I'm going to mess up the line. He said, uh, it's not, everybody always, you know, will give me a hard time and they go, oh, aren't you meant to have a sense of humor? And he said, no, you are. Right. He's right. like, it is not my job to have a sense of humor. That's that's your your side of it. I couldn't do what you do. Are you happy now? You're special again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I can't it's, do it's, it. It's, but that's the same thing. It's like, ah, like it's, I, I can't, uh, I, I lost my train of thought completely. Right? <laughs> Not good podcasting. Now I'm gonna force you to edit me out um, <laughs> completely. No, I was I was just thinking about like how it is. Like, there's so many comedians who like off stage are not funny, and I think it's just because like manufacturing something is much different than consuming it, and that's always mm-hmm. like supposed to be like in comedy. Like a lot of people do not make that distinction where they're like, oh, you must be funny all the time. You must be, you know, just funny guy and you should know what's funny. And it's like, no, I just kind of say stuff. And sometimes people laugh. <laughs> yeah. The whole thing. <laughs> Ideally, exactly. they laugh more than less. That's <laughs> and that, that's it. basically all I got. <laughs> I got to go on. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh. he like, oh, yeah. He, there was, there's another part where he was like, uh, like he was like oh yeah uh it's another thing that i was like i completely feel it's just as another stand-up comedian and he said uh i go on night after night to try to make people laugh who aren't comedians like i'm the expert in comedy and i've got to get your opinion (laughs) yeah well and people love giving i don't know if people do this to you but like anytime someone finds out i do comedy they have like a joke idea for me (laughs) Or like a bit I should do, and it's like, how dare you? <laughs> how dare you? <laughs> like if someone's like, oh yeah, I play guitar, you'd be like, I've got this great song that I think I've been trying to give it to someone. I have no guitar experience, but I think it'd be really cool. And then they just like were like, bah, 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 bah. they were ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, it's like that. It's like this weird accessibility. Like I have a theory that. That everybody probably, probably has maybe a good, a five-minute set, maybe a good story, a few jokes that they've come up in their lifetime. Like, probably everybody has a good five, sure, maybe, absolutely. you know? Maybe not a tight five, but in the right environment, in the right, they would be fine. But, sure. like, <laughs> that obviously doesn't make them a comedian. No, well, no, not not at whatsoever. <laughs> No. Well, and it's because it is. Like, I, I was thinking about this yesterday. Like, I I had to go up and do uh, a show, and I, I had, like, a, a real strong depressive spell, like, right before, and I didn't want to do it at all. Uh, but I just, like, my body and mouth took over and did, like, <laughs> decent with, like, some basic jokes, you know? Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, okay, this is, you know, not stand-up. This is just me being a reptile. <laughs> you know, there's the, the subconscious brain 
dancing. <laughs> you know, um, yeah. it's anybody can do a little bit of stand up. But like yeah. when you take it to that next level and you're like making points and tying stuff together and like bringing people into it and, you know, especially at like smaller shows, like I hate to say connecting with a crowd, but uh, that's <laughs> honestly what it is. Like, yeah, that's the skill. Mm-hmm. You know, that's where the difference between someone who's like decent at it and someone who's great at it. Oh, yeah. And um, I think there's like if you can't like if you're not connecting with the crowd at first, like another thing that will make like the difference between a person doing stand up and a comedian is somebody who just keeps going until it is. And I'm going to give the example of Noah Chap. Yeah, because he gets up there to talk about necrophilia. <laughs> And he does not stop until you're on his side. Like, you have to just get on board. <laughs> oh, he's he's the best. I... And that's, like, the best to watch. Yeah. Well, and because it's unapologetic, and it's like, well, you're already here, so you might as well get it <laughs> as intended. Fuck yeah. you if you don't like this. Like, it's good. Yeah, definitely. And if and... it's not for you, it's not for you. That's allowed. Yeah, for sure. I think another thing that I love about James is just that this is something that I do sometimes. I feel like I like see a lot of like things that I do in James and it's really validating. Mm-hmm. Like I can tell when he does the um, the bit about do the two teeth have teeth too? Mm-hmm. It's not like it gets a good reaction. It obviously gets a good laugh. Like everybody is there to see James. I think about some of his bits like trying to do that open, open, open mic in fucking what, Royal Oak and how they would not work. Oh, no, because Royal right? specifically is just such a, <laughs> it's like a top 40, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's yeah. the Imagine Dragons, <laughs> it's, uh, it's like, yeah. okay, yeah, it's good, but like, you know. <laughs> yeah, and I just like think about that, and I just know, like, because he talks about his background, and he talks about, like, he does still tour all over the UK, not just like the liberal leftist parts of it, like, he goes all over the UK, and just like... That he talks about so many times. He does the same bits before the recording in front of a crowd that doesn't like him. And the two Steve's have T2 bit. I know he's just saying that because he likes to say it. Really? I think it's one of the funniest lines. Well, I think so too. But like, I don't think that's why he's saying it. Really? Like, I, I, I think he knows that it's funny. But I think he wrote that and he was like, I love this. Like, I'm just going to continue to say this because this is so fun to say. And I will make it work, you know? Sure. Okay. Like, that's that's kind of the vibe I get from some of the, like, just some of the lines he says. And, like, especially things that he repeats over and over again. Like, the two seats have T2 or spag ball or yeah. too challenging for you. <laughs> like, Well, just dedicating to. <laughs> yeah. K and me and a T and a T. E-N-R and I-N-G. Like. There is a lot of that. You have to love it. Like, just power do. of will yeah to just keep going and just like drive these bits home jeez yeah well and it just it takes like a special type of like confidence and like knowing that you're good and even if other people won't acknowledge it you know it, ugh, it's, so, it's and so much of his comedy is that because he keeps you in the dark the first half of the bit so he has to be confident to so oh this is another thing that i love so much about him is that stand up comedy at the very basic of level is you get the audience on your side you make a joke then they're willing to laugh 
Mm-hmm. And James Acaster knows he's so good that he is willing to purposely alienate a, a crowd for the first half of the bit. Then, you know, reveal it to them. And he knows they'll still laugh kind of deal. Well, because they're invested. Yeah, like, it's intriguing, but it's also, like, that that is that is bravery to be, like, I know they're going to get it at the end, and I, I believe that I can make this, like, because probably the first time he did it, it he, maybe it didn't make sense, you know? Sure, maybe they absolutely. didn't get it. But, like, I don't think there's a ton of comics that are willing to to make that kind of leap of faith. Well, especially not at the beginning, you know, when you've only got so much time and you've only got, you know, people who don't care about you. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, for lack of a better term, like you're, you're playing for people who, you know. Didn't come to see stand up. <laughs> right, right. They're in a bar that they, they came to, to have a few beers after a long, hard work at the mines. And yeah, um... usually on a weekday. So, you know, that, <laughs> like stuff is not going great for them at that moment. Um, they're at a bar on a weekday (laughs) yeah (laughs) you're like crazy how i didn't kill and it's like it's not it's honestly not yeah yeah man oh man the point is that i think the way that we end this uh grand rapids lansing comedy beef (laughs) is we just get uh james a caster to do max (laughs) uh we just keep him forever. He would. He would do Max because that's exactly his kind of scene, like music, oh comedy. Yeah. He would have loved Max. <laughs> yeah, you hear that, Grand <laughs> Oh, man. That beef is so funny. I'm, I'm watching it from the sidelines. <laughs> yeah, I'm taking a break. Um, <laughs> I, well, we, should, I, we haven't gotten James A. Caster's opinion on the whole thing, so I'm kind of waiting to see what he says about it. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't want to. I don't want to say something and him and disagree. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's 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 nuts to just see someone light it up that much. And I, I don't know about you, but it just I use it to like motivate myself to be. I'm like, just be better, you know. Like that's how good it can be, you know. Here's you <laughs> yeah. Are. So be better than that. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I I think it's like I definitely. Uh, I do weird shit. I have a lot of like weird bits, and I do weird jokes, and and there are there are times that maybe people are laughing at me and not with me, or you know it's too weird and people don't want to get on board with it kind of thing, sure. and just like no, and if I stick with it, maybe eventually like I'll find that audience sure. that will love it is is what does inspire me about James. Yeah. Well, because it's like, oh, there's someone who did what they wanted to do, you know, and they, like, they found an audience, Mm -hmm. you know, like, all the times that it didn't work ended up leading to, you know, he's doing three and a half hours on Netflix. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I I don't know if you ever had this, but, like, I've definitely had other older comics come up to me and, you know, obviously sometimes they're trying to be supportive, but, you know, trying to tell me what to do and it's like you know what if you don't like it that's that's probably a good thing <laughs> yeah well, they just for me <laughs> everybody likes giving advice a whole bunch on like how to do stand-up and usually it's by people who are in zero position to be giving advice well um, and and if you have to give somebody advice like 
if they there's obviously certain things that make sense to give advice on you know move the mic stand whatever simple things but like you can't give somebody their voice no no otherwise it would be inauthentic like so many (laughs) just they don't have any like the jokes are just lifeless because they're just saying them in this like whatever voice they've prepared Mm -hmm. and it's just not it's just not clicking yet yeah you know and that i think is like like you were talking about the inflections and stuff like it is you really do got to think about every inflection Mm-hmm. If, if if you're you know on tv and all that good stuff thank god i'm not that good at comedy <laughs> dude i um, never i will never like just seeing i posted a, a tiktok about amy schumer and i had to decline a call there um i was gonna say uh-oh did i <laughs> no you're I, fine I, I on me. you're fine um but I posted this TikTok, kind of in, in defense of Amy Schumer, just saying, like, I know, like, a lot of people hate her comedy because in, like, from my, our generation, like, a lot of her jokes are very self-deprecating and can appear to be just, like, misogynistic and, like, just, like, it, I, I, I had seen a bunch of people comment, like, her jokes made me hate myself wow yeah and like because they saw them really young and she's talking about like oh i'm fat and ugly and they were like but that's like what i look like or you know what i mean Jeez. and yeah, I never thought about that. yeah and like uh, you know and i really hadn't either and so i made a, a video just saying like do you hate the game or do you hate the player like can you blame her that there's a market for that and especially she you know <laughs> you can call her an industry plant but she's still like there was not a female comedian at her level before. She still right. did like get to a place where not many other people had gotten to in this day and age. So like I was just kind of saying like, you know, I <laughs> I kind of uh like you can hate the game and the player if you so please, but like I kind of try not to blame her so much for catering to a market that's that's there and like just trying to make a living doing something that you love and that's that's with all like plagiarism accusations and racism aside (laughs) yeah well and even like with i mean not the racism but like plagiarism (laughs) um like you think about all the stuff that she wrote that was good you know and Mm -hmm. how much she's like really produced in the grand scheme of things as far as like albums and shows and you know, all that other stuff. Yeah, like, for sure. Most of it, 90% of it is good. Yeah. But, like, and you forget about that immediately as soon as there's any bad. Yeah, and you have to think about, like, how much how much of that criticism is really granted and, like, how much of that is misogyny. Like, Well, and think about how many equally bad male comics get none of the... Shit. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I like, mean, it's all the spotlight, but still. Um... Yeah. Oh, and that that's the most like fucking disheartening thing. Like so after posting that video and the comments that I got, I've turned them off since then because it'll still like occasionally just get another like ten thousand views and people all want to share their opinion with me and I, I truly don't care. Um but like just the amount of people just like straight up just hating her and you can go on literally any female presenting comics stand up and go to the comments and it's every other comment is women aren't funny and you know shut the fuck up and just like the most hateful things 
always something about Amy Schumer, too. <laughs> yeah, and somehow, even when it's not on a video about her. <laughs> she's like, this reminds me of Amy Schumer. If she and I hate like, Amy Schumer. <laughs> and it's like, uh, why? What? <laughs> yeah. Because Amy Schumer, I don't think, is that exciting. I, that's my only problem with her. Like, yeah, I think she just she's just the name people know. She's fine at comedy. Yeah. You know, she's got some good jokes. She's got a good, uh, good voice. Yeah. Um, but, like, yeah, like, why she's the all of a sudden... <laughs> the super villain for being fine i think yeah and i think people have brought up people brought up in the comments of that video of mine of just like you know well she's related to chuck schumer and i was like all right like yeah i see what you're saying like just trying to say like she was a she's like a normal talented comic that got pushed really hard in hollywood like yeah got given this platform yeah what? exactly yeah so fine, yeah exactly yeah. like there's there's a lot of she could have been she would have gotten a lot less hate if you know and she could have just been a like good touring headlining comic that maybe people didn't know her by name you know right exactly but she got this opportunity and and you know that's that sure Good marketable work. yeah right. she made quite a bit of money so let, let me and let me just say once girl boss the definite girl boss <laughs> if i if i could make as much money as amy schumer does to be disliked i absolutely <laughs> would that's yeah. my final thought on <laughs> and uh, i'll stand by that day, she's crushing it <laughs> yeah yeah i'm pretty sure her uh, she she can't really hear you guys from her mansion with her husband and child you ever think about how much more money for doing stand-up Amy Schumer has than J.J. Caster? Um, I'm thinking about it now. That one uh, will probably keep me up. Tonight. <laughs> I, oh, my God. He, in there, like, uh, during lockdown, he wanted to hide the fact that he was, like, in lockdown with his girlfriend, his, like, new girlfriend. Yes. And so he told everybody, he, <laughs> on like the Zoom shows he was on, he was like, um, the person holding the camera is my pen pal. He made up this whole lie. That's really funny. It's my pen pal I'm in lockdown with. We've been pen pals for a year. It just so happened <laughs> that he was visiting. <laughs> <laughs> He's 25 years older than me. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, it was pretty great. <laughs> I, I I didn't watch any of his Zoom, his Zoom shows. I didn't know he was doing them. I saw them like occasionally. I just like follow accounts that like just post random clips of James and stuff on Tumblr, kind of deal. Okay. And that's usually how I find out about him. Does he have? He must have like a real devoted following then. I think so. He definitely has, you know, like a cult type of following because he's not like John Mulaney type of known of like every teenager knows his name. But oh, not. the people that love him really, really love him. I mean, what's not to love, though? I, we oh, just, you're, we just you're telling that. me. You're telling me. He's on multiple walls of mine. <laughs> oh, my Lord. I, he's not on any of my walls yet. But. I, I got to send you this photo. Hey, do you know the, the edit from um, Simpsons where he, like, covers up all the letters of the you work? Remember, you're here until you die thing. Uh, I don't believe so. And he, oh, Bart Simpson. Yeah, is that Bart's, is that his name? 
Mr. Simpson (laughs) covers up covers up all the letters of the sign of his employer basically being like you're here until you remember you work here until you die and he covers up the letters to um say do it for her and it's his baby it's his daughter okay it's pictures of his daughter so people have made edits of that uh with other people and so i have one that says do it for him and it's it's james a caster it's a bunch of photos of james a caster oh my lord and i had that up at uh my work and I, somebody came up to me and they're like oh is this like um your boyfriend you're like yeah kind of and i was like well i don't i don't think we we don't really like labels um <laughs> oh my lord <laughs> We're, we're talking. I don't know. It's casual right now. <laughs> There's a time difference. It's a whole thing. He's so busy. <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, he's real busy with stand-up comedy. I'm real busy with stand-up comedy. You know, you know how it goes. It's like we're always we on really the road. We don't really do a similar. We, you know, we're all we're both so busy doing shows. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. No, I mm, with with my actual boyfriend. Um. Oh, like. We've talked about, we've actually, it's kind of crazy. Um, before we even really knew each other, we figured out that like we had done shows right next door to each other multiple nights in a row. Just as far as like music and stand up? Yeah. I, I did a show at The Independent. I was like hosting or something. And he was at Ghostlight performing a show. And then, like, I was at Sneakers in Ferndale doing an open mic, and he was at um, The Loving Touch, which is right down the street, or, like, right next door. Okay. Um, And it's, yeah, kind of crazy. Because I was telling a story one time about this guy (laughs) who went to The Independent, got really drunk, lost a tooth, threw up, (laughs) just, like, uh, started crying, all this stuff. And he was, like... We've all been there. Yeah, well. (laughs) So, when you you know, when you have a bad set. And... uh, (laughs) And I was telling the story, and he's like, "Wait a minute, <laughs> I remember that guy." <laughs> yeah, pretty, pretty Jeez crazy. Face. Yeah, it's yeah the live entertainment industry, especially at its lowest level, it needs to. We should support each other more because we're For like, sure. ah, go to go to stand up shows, and it's like so many people don't go to music shows. Well, yeah, like, I felt oh, like I, need to. I so I I kind of know Joe through like he's in a band with somebody I went to high school with. And so like I had been to his shows before and stuff like that. Okay. And one of the things was that I would go to their music shows. Cause like one is my friend. And then like, I like, you know, it's something to do. I didn't have any friends. Um, sure. <laughs> so I'd, I'd like go to these shows all the time and they knew that I did stand up and I would be posting about all my shows. And um, you know, they kind of pointed out like, like, I'm sorry, we never come to your shows. <laughs> yeah and i was like it's a different kind of hang like i don't really blame you for not coming it is like weird and and some of the nights i am posting about are are just open mics that might not be fun for you at all um but the the best solution we came up to uh came up with for that was to just start doing putting on shows together um and that i didn't like i was kind of nervous about they gave me a half hour and that was like I think the second time, second, third time I'd ever done a half hour. Jeez. And I was like, all right, like, yeah, I think I could do that. I didn't like prepare at all. I literally wrote my set list before, <laughs> like a- after I'd already gotten there. And I wrote my set list based on what jokes my best friend had or hadn't heard. 
like stuff you wanted to hear or stuff that I had he hadn't heard yet um hadn't heard me do I wrote it all out ended up being like exactly 30 minutes is fantastic but it was a band playing a second band playing me and then two more bands and so I was like this weird comedy intermission (laughs) and I made them sit on the floor because I was not going to be eye level with them for a whole set (laughs) and um, it ended up being probably at that time like the best set of my life because it was people my age yeah well and that's such a huge thing is because they actually get the subtleties and uh... yeah i i just never had that luxury before and i was like oh shit like (laughs) this is how good it could have (laughs) been yeah yeah it's it's nuts when you start getting those uh you like you fall into the sweet spot with like the right crowd and Mm -hmm. actually feel like a comedian for a little bit (laughs) yeah that's a crazy feeling for sure (laughs) oh jeez. I actually feel like James Acaster. God, Who would have thunk? just one day, getting his skin. Um, nice. <laughs> uh, okay, I really like Paisley. Paisley make the girls go crazy. I want to make sure I say that. Okay, yeah, it's a fantastic is, line. It is very good. Uh, <laughs> the whole, I think, one of my favorite jokes is when he's like, "Is is die plural? Is dice a singular?" Like anyway, it's like killed two people by mistake, and I was like, "That's such a good joke." I shouldn't, I shouldn't say he's my friend. I'm on the jury. Yeah, (laughs) seems like a nice guy though. That's another thing that reminds me of Bo Burnham, like that level of misdirect. Yeah, well, it's very like subtle conversational stuff, you know. (laughs) Yeah. Um. So. Is Diablo's die singular? Anyway, you killed two people by mistake. It's Uh, very, very, very funny. Oh, his um in reset when he's talking about, and this will sound far fetched. We rode around ships and we robbed everywhere in the world. Yeah, yeah. And when he says that, like he talks about the Elgin marbles and all that stuff, the Great Heist. I they mentioned I took an art history class like a year ago, and uh, she mentioned the Elgin marbles, and I was like, <gasps> I emailed her the clip. And I was like, I think you'll really like this. And she's like, oh, thanks, Diana. <laughs> I will definitely watch <laughs> Yeah, I'm definitely going to. I was like so hoping she'd play it in class, but she didn't. She's okay. <laughs> um, the kitchen mirror, that's a great bit. Yeah, the kitchen mirror is funny as well as uh, like pretending to be that audience member. Um <laughs> But I'll have you know that, <laughs> yeah, where he's like, I, I, I didn't, I went through a very similar experience myself. Yeah, right. Just to tell it, tie it all together. <laughs> um, she's a face. <laughs> Twister being like foreplay is hilarious. Yeah. Two people walking around a Twister mat. Every joke <laughs> is just its own little world and. Some rules are there to protect us, actually. <laughs> right, right. Oh, <laughs> uh, the crop circle. That the crop circle bit is one of the best examples of him completely alienating the crowd of just like what the fuck is going on to a huge punchline. Yeah, that one doesn't hit as hard for me. I don't know exactly why, <laughs> um, but. It's it's good. It's a little 
that one is the only one one where I'm like, oh, that's a lot of commitment for me. <laughs> um, no, definitely. But yeah, oh, it's so funny. <laughs> it's so good. It's all so fucking good. Um, uh, oh my god. Oh my god. Can we talk about the dirty top of the tea bit from Cold Lasagna I Hate Myself 1999? Sure. You're talking like the scuzz or whatever? When he does. That, that was committing. Yeah. Well, because nobody knows what's going on and it's just again, overly sexual. <laughs> right. <laughs> Jeez. dirty little top of the tea first first in the mouth first out the dick and after he says that line it is just like Jeez. it's like so but i remember watching that for the first time and being like what the fuck is going on it's good comedy <laughs> like that's the only comedy. time where i've been like really really surprised and been like oh my god Jay. Right, Ugh. and he and then he's like, if any Crizos are still here, they're gone now. Yeah, well, because anybody who's not going to be into it at that point is like, I think that's half of the team. But like, I think we we should go do something else. Yeah, he's like, my my goal is to get about half of you out of here. Jeez. Oh my god, yeah the the idea of of doing a show that long to a single audience and just like giving them an intermission. Like the stamina you have to have as a comedian, and then also as an audience member. Oh, like, definitely. I can barely listen to. I don't listen to everybody's sets on an open mic, <laughs> and obviously that's different. I don't listen to everybody's sets when I'm on an open mic. Um, and... I listen to a lot just because I'm interested a lot of the time. Mm. Um, and I like watching some people do well and some people do the opposite. <laughs> yeah um but yeah no i i hear you it's 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 that's a lot that's a lot of that's a lot to demand from a group of people sure but i think i think it's he clearly shows that it's worth it right oh sorry i'm yawning (laughs) it's better than drowning i think it yeah i would assume so um, it's threatening. also just weird talking about someone who's just good at stand-up when I think about how exhausting it is to do it as just like, a person <laughs> yeah no I mean and him just like taking a whole special to talk about how like in 2019 he got like a book deal and a Netflix deal and it was like the worst year of his life and right. um, just well, like yeah his therapist his his girl his relationship and his agent just fucking him well because it is it's so stressful like all those all those things like take a lot of time and a lot of effort and a lot of stress and emotion and like when that becomes your life and you can't escape it you know when the best things of your life are like coincide with like things that are that stressful it's like oof. yeah Yeah. i don't think i could ever do it at that level yeah i'm that alone i just don't have the mental uh tenacity if you will Definitely. I mean, because like, like you were saying earlier, like there are days where just like, even just going to an open mic, the the emotional labor of doing stand up, like, just like, there are bits that like, if you don't bring that level of energy, or you don't bring that emotion, they don't work. Right. And, and that's what like can be so hard and tiresome about comedy and how people like, you know, they'll talk about road dogs who who come to do their, you know, do their headlining set and they're doing like, they're either like passed out, like sleeping in the green room right before their set. And then they just turn it on 
and then they get like they're doing lines or they're like they're like getting drunk because like you know they just turn it on and then they're just like a shell of the person afterwards yeah it's reptilian it's crazy it's, yeah ugh. and that's what i i always get worried about is like you kind of need some of that you know yeah and like, like i i don't want to become that like i never want to become that person i never want to like i don't want to do stand-up where i don't enjoy it anymore like that i right. i just i i'd be i'd be fine with um with not getting that far in stand-up as long as I'm enjoying it the whole time. Well, because, and you'll never get far enough. That's the thing. No matter how far you go, it's never <laughs> enough, you know? Yeah, if yeah. If you become the second most famous comedian in the world, it's like, well, how am I not famous? <laughs> yeah, and then if you become the most famous comedian in the world, you're like, well, who's this Jesus guy, and why is everybody talking about him? Yeah, why am I not better than James Ancaster? <laughs> <laughs> For sure. That, and obviously, you will never be. So no, probably it's, not. It's smart to not even try. <laughs> You're so bad. His his like the the bit where he like does have like he he does the whole breakdown where he's like people talking about like oh you're so vulnerable on stage and like you know you talk about all these things and he just says like it shouldn't um it shouldn't be embarrassing that I'm talking about these things. People, you know, people are saying, oh, isn't this the most embarrassing? You told us all this stuff that happened to you in therapy. He's like, this shouldn't be embarrassing. These mental health struggles shouldn't be embarrassing. And then everybody claps and, and ruins his line. Right. <laughs> and he's like, I, I got to tell you guys, like, I've, I've done this show all over and I've gotten, I've gotten booze at that line where I'm talking about having suicidal thoughts and stuff and people being like, oh, boo-hoo, you, you've been suicidal? No, 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 no. Um, and just that he's like, but I all see that you guys aren't shitting yourself in a steakhouse. Right. I can't help but notice. Jeez. Unbelievable. It's, I, yeah. It'd be nice I just, he's, and, and, and the, the part, one of my, like, my favorite line from when he's showing the text from, um, like, he does read off some stuff or, or like, quote some stuff from his, his phone call with his agent, where his agent calls him mentally ill. Um, and, but then he reads the text off as his therapist, <laughs> which was a fucking ri- wild ride, but I love that he prefaces it with like, you know, uh, if I were to say, you know what? Yeah, I won't read them off. You guys would be the first people to be like, no, actually we want to hear them. <laughs> right. And, and even like talking about like Rowan Atkinson and being like, I got dumped for Mr. Bean. And he's like, some people be like, oh, this is kind of like tacky to talk about. And he's like, don't don't pretend to me that you wouldn't also be talking about this if it was you. Like, oh, you'd have to. <laughs> yeah. I'm the only person in the world. <laughs> sure. Well, of course. You can say well, that. I'm, yeah. And it's that's like such a unique perspective. And that's like what makes a lot of comedy so good is hearing those unique perspectives. And like the fact that, you know, someone left him for Mr. Bean, that's about as unique as it gets. <laughs> I think. I mean, maybe a couple other people, but I don't think they're comedians. <laughs> and he's he sat on it for years. Yeah, well, I think he had to. But... He had to. He says that he, you know, he of course he had to because he didn't want to say it too early and then break up or something. But they're still together and they have like a kid. <laughs> like, Jeez, and I think uh, another thing I want to say is that Mr. Bean and him are not the same age, and his girlfriend was James's age. <laughs> right so it's even more like he's really he's really gotta just have fun about it 
for himself and not think about it like too critically. Right. Exactly. Otherwise, that would probably break you. <laughs> it would be. It would be a lot to emotionally process. <laughs> process and continue living. But also to put it into a show. <laughs> just do it after night after night. Yeah. Talking about like these, like he says, the worst year of his life. Like talking about that every single night. Yeah, um, it's crazy. You can just be the best comedian of all time and still get, you know, like, I think people tie a lot of comedy to their self-worth and their ego. And, mm. you know, he's he's one of the best comedians ever. And his wife left him for Rowan Atkinson. <laughs> you could be that good at stand-up and you're still rock bottom. <laughs> you're still nothing compared to Mr. P. <laughs> Man, that's how funny Mr. Bean is. I mean, he said, when he said he was like, uh, you know, have you ever been left for maybe an idol? Maybe somebody you looked up to your whole life? Maybe the reason you're doing the career you're doing right now? Right. Ugh. <laughs> oh, Ugh. my God. Ugh. Like, I, that, that would be, that would be equivalent for me, for, for Joe leaving me for James A. Caster. Um, yeah. But I would have to understand I, I would be in a similar position. <laughs> it would be especially awkward after James A. Caster did that bit. Because I couldn't <laughs> do that bit. Because he is, has already done it. Nobody's he already did it. the bit about his comedic hero. <laughs> so he could, he could <laughs> then it's already been done. <laughs> yeah, he could steal my girlfriend and my bit ahead of time. <laughs> he planned it. He can, at this point, he can do anything. He could steal anybody's. Yeah, it's the perfect crime. <laughs> anybody's girlfriend and get away with it. With, uh, with, with absolutely nobody saying it on stage. <laughs> right, right. Oh. Nobody would dare plagiarize. <laughs> I, the, the line about Rowan Atkinson, uh, where Rowan is being um, Islamophobic and he's saying that women... He, he's defending the prime minister this is before he was the prime minister but defending the prime minister for making a joke that women who wear burqas look like letterboxes and Rowan Atkinson called his own press conference to say actually no it's fine that he said that because it's funny um, and, and James said I, and I watched that and I said alright Rowan good to know <laughs> Jeez. You can talk about anything if it's funny. Right. It's well because again, even still it all comes full circle. Yeah. God. He's God, he's a fucking genius. Bake off. Bake off was another huge thing where like that was just another thing where you saw you saw him through the lens of his specials and then you also if you watched him on other things, like I, I remember seeing like a like clips from him for Bake Off. And then for him to talk about that in a special and be like, actually, like I had called the suicide hotline that night and like I hadn't slept for 48 hours because I fly, I flew in from America and I had the worst jet lag in my life. And they cut out every scene where I said, I'm going through the worst jet lag of my life. Right. Just to make him look all zany. <laughs> just to make him look insane. Like to get that context and for him to end the bit with like, you know, explaining everything and then and doing the meme where he said like having a I had a breakdown, was making it, had a breakdown, bon appetit, and and for him to be like, You guys know the back the dark background of that joke and you still laughed. Like, you guys are the worst. <laughs> right. 
right. It's like just such a such a beautiful moment. <laughs> like yeah. I just nobody's doing it like he's doing it. No, unfortunately. I wish there were more of them. God. Uh, not Chris's. We'll see. Hopefully soon. Do <laughs> you have any um, final thoughts? Yeah, I think I think I'll say in conclusion, he's the most incredible comic. I am glad that I found out about him early on in my stand-up comedy career because he does make me feel that much like less alone um it almost he makes me feel like there's a reason for stand-up to exist yeah something that i frequently feel (laughs) exactly because so much time is like why am i doing this at all exactly the exhaustion and the lack of you know results (laughs) it's like man oh man oh man what is the point and then you see him just knock one out of the park and you're like well there it is yeah definitely uh, do you have any other comedians like James A. Castor that you recommend to people? Like James A. Castor? I mean, no. <laughs> okay, interesting. Do you have any comedians that, that you feel are like James A. Castor? I would say the only one who comes close is uh, Mark Forward. Um, oh. have, I don't know if you've seen Letterkenny, but he actually plays the coach in that show. But okay. off of that, that's like his famous thing. But he's actually a Canadian comedian. And okay. he is hilarious, and he has a special on YouTube, uh, and I plug it to anybody who will listen, because it's just that funny in my <laughs> I think it's so funny. Um, That's cool. It's, it's another one of those that, like, you know, I watch, like, James A. Castro, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is why stand-up exists. Yeah, for sure. I think, I guess... I think there are, like, so many things that James does that reminds me of different comics, like, but I, I don't know that I know anybody off the top of my head that makes me think of him but like his writing structure and like dedication to having that like the the whole loop around and just like pulling everything together that kind of level of writing reminds me of Ali Wong his like commitment to something this an insane narrative like a lot of comics do that but his his reminds me of like Chelsea Peretti. Like I see a lot of my favorite comics in him, and like I, I know that's why he's my favorite comedian. Is so many of them, so many of the things that I love about him, I see or love about them, I see in him. Right, I, and do you think they got it from him or? No, I don't think they even probably know who he is. But <laughs> oh, okay, you're just saying okay. <laughs> like I definitely, you know, I can. I can pick up those kind of things. I think in in myself and my own stand up, weirdly enough, I see a lot of Dan Cummins. I don't know if you know who that is. Yeah, I love Dan Cummins. He's one of the first people I ever listened to. Exactly, me too. And I think that's why, like, <laughs> Andorra days. <laughs> exactly, and I think that's like why I still see myself and like I I hadn't listened to him in so long, and then I listened to him. Um, I got to see his his most recent album recording. Uh, well, oh, wow. actually, really special recording. He video, it was video. Um, he did it in uh, at the Crowfoot, and uh, I after seeing him like and like watching him after so long of not doing that, I was like, oh wait, that is <laughs> where I picked that up. Like that is why I do that. I think, and and that's kind of cool. Oh yeah, everybody's just emulating someone. Definitely. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, that's 
that's the only way to learn how to do it is just kind of try things that other people have low key <laughs> yeah. um but yeah no i if you got to pick one though james a caster pretty good one dan cummins he's a good one too yeah for uh, sure geez. yeah he's great he's amazing mm-hmm. dude I, I lost my mind dan cummins did um Dan Cummins did the first bit of like his that I ever like listened to so much I memorized. He did um Here Comes the Spoons after he finished the like album or like yeah, he did like his special. He came back on stage and he did that bit cuz he's never had it on video before. Mm-hmm. So he videotaped it for the first he after having it on audio, he videotaped it for the first time and I just like oh, wow. was transported back to being 13 years old and <laughs> listening to that on Pandora over and over again like yeah, well, because that was one of the, the first big bits I ever heard. Yeah, that was like, not, you know, he toured on that story, having people asking him to tell it kind of thing. Like, that was huge for him. So it was really cool. And I got to meet him and stuff. And his daughter was there, too. Is he a cool guy? Yeah, he was real nice. Okay, I'm going to have to go see him at some point because he's one of the uh, under understated greats. He's definitely, yeah, I think he's a definite staple. He did include in his newest special, he did include this, like, whole bit about, like, ah, cancel culture. And it was, like, nothing that he said was, like, overtly, like, uh, bad. It was just, like, played out. It was, like, dog, we've heard this a thousand times from a bunch of other comedians. Like, you didn't need to say this here, but, like, okay, I guess. Well, you we'll, have us uh, hostage. <laughs> well, and you've got a good track record, so we'll let you. <laughs> yeah, we'll let this one slide, but we'll let let's move play. it on. <laughs> yeah. Jeez, that's really funny. But yeah, well, thank you so much for indulging me and yeah, coming on and talking about, I, talking I about hope, James. I hope this reaches uh, as many people as possible <laughs> and they can know that James A. Caster is the best comedian. <laughs> and that's coming from me, uh, the guy who has all the correct comedy opinions. Obviously, um, I wouldn't have you on if I didn't believe that. Right, never, never been wrong about anything, and I tell you this, <laughs> James A. Caster, best ever comedian. Best ever. <laughs> I hope you guys liked that one. Um, if you made it this far, thank you so much. Um, I am currently working full time, and. I'm taking two classes this summer, and I probably won't release a ton of episodes all the time, and I think that's been apparent by my lack of releasing episodes all the time, but I really love comedy, and I love talking about comedy, and I hope to continue to get to do that, and thank you guys for listening. Love you, bye.